0: This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. No, yeah. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. If you will turn there in your Bible, the title of today's message is The Best Valuation System. Do you guys know that you all have valuation systems? You process things and you place value on things that you don't even know that you do. You gravitate towards the things that you like, and you make those things a priority. And What I'm going to do for you this morning is I'm going to help you out. If you don't know any better, I want you to take your calendar out of your seat back, or if you're a note taker, I want you to jot down your top five priorities in life. I want you to do that right now. Seriously, everybody. Jot down your top five priorities. I'll give you a moment to do so is that even a is it is it around anymore is it jeopardy still a thing yeah. man i remember did you did you watch it recently good that's great alex trebek guys a rock star top five priorities <laughs> you done mostly Do you know what those things are that you just listed? What are they? Those are your priorities, but more uh, pointedly, more scripturally, they are your treasures. They're the things that you treasure, they're the things that you put your time, energy, and talent towards. So, are they in the right order? Did you leave something off that really should be there? You're sitting next to your wife <laughs> and you're writing <laughs> you're writing five things down that you know that she's going to want you to write down otherwise we're going to have a talk later. Or what are you leaving off? You give yourself your 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 treasure. You give yourself to your treasure and you value those things. more than you you value other things in your life, and it's going to show eventually. It's going to show. You can't hide it. It's going to come out. This is what we're going to be talking about this morning, and Jesus gives us instruction on how to reevaluate, change some things around to get us going in the right direction to have the right valuation system. And as we've seen in the past few weeks, really what it boils down to, Jesus addressing the condition of your heart. Your heart. It's not the actions that manifest that's important. It's it's where those are coming from. Ultimately, what the real issue is. and He gives us instruction on how to deal with that. So let's go to the Lord now and pray. And thank him for this time that we have together in his word. Father, we thank you today that we're all here. We're able to get up out of bed and get out of bed, and we're healthy enough to come and to not just hear for ourselves what your word has to say to us, but we're also here to bless each other, care for each other. It's like Pastor Sean said that that we're a family, we're a community that's about caring for one another. So as we get closer to Thanksgiving, help us, remind us, Lord, of those things that we are so thankful for and that they all stem from, they all come from you. Like he said, every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from our Father of lights, whom there's no variation or shifting of shadow. There's, we know what we can expect from you. And God, we want to address our hearts this morning so that we can address you in, in the right way with, with right intentions. So bless your word, Father, to us. We pray. We thank you for this time in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 7, chapter 6, just kidding. Chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart may be also? There your heart could be, no. There your heart will be Also, those things that you value in your life, those things that you treasure, if they are on your top five list, if they are a priority for you, you will treasure those things more than everything else. Look at that first verse again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I'd like to start by saying, God is not against you being prosperous. God doesn't want you to be poor. He doesn't want you to sell all that you have and move to the caves in in Sunrise Mountain and, and live in isolation. He doesn't desire those things for you. In fact, he has good things for you. He has in some seasons, If I can say without offending too many people, he has wealth and good things for you. He has health and good things for you. It's our perspective of what his purposes toward us are that that really change, that, that change what we think about God and what he has for us. God's not against wealth. He's against wealth being your motivation for life the indicator is do not lay up for yourself the indicator is it's it's a you're taking a lot of things and you're placing your confidence your trust in those things instead of in him who made you in his image so the bible study this morning i gave a little warning to the Early service, um, I'm really gunning to offend as many people as possible. Just, uh, just wanted to get that out in the open up front. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really working. So if I do get loud or I yell or something, it's just because that's what that's the reason. So don't get mad at me, okay? I'm, I'm looking to offend you. In fact, one out of five people are going to walk away offended after today's Bible study. Do you know why? Because you, you, you can't mess with people's stuff without them getting cranky and upset about it. In ministry, they say you can't touch three things as a pastor. You don't touch people's uh, religion, what they you know the fundamentals of what they believe. You don't touch their kids. You touch people's kids, they'll go find a different church. You don't criticize people's kids. You guys, all your kids are angels. They're perfect. They don't ever do anything wrong. And then the third thing you don't touch is their stuff. So I'm um, maybe... Doing some blessed subtraction today, but but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about your stuff, your treasures, what you place treasure in. And Jesus says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. What, what's the indicator by Jesus in those three things: moth, rust, and thievery? What's the indication? That they do not last. They're temporary. Some people have such a high estimation in things that are going to break down and be done away with. You guys know how great Toyotas are, right? Everybody would agree? Most amazing vehicles on the planet. I was talking to a friend of mine back in, uh, my college days, I was young and we uh, were like, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. What do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to do? He's like, let's go to the Toyota dealership and just walk around and look at the awesome pickup trucks. And I was like, that's a good idea. So we drove down to the Toyota dealership and we're walking around looking. I was like, man, I love that. That Tacoma is the best model of Tacoma that I've ever seen. And I said, can I get a, thank you. Can I get a witness? And I said, the travesty is that I will never have a new Tacoma. And he said to me, why would you say that? And I said, because I know that I'm always going to be poor. I know that I'm never going to be able to afford it. And I hear that, you know, as soon as you drive one of those trucks off the lot, they, everything else decreases in 20%. Toyota's like lose five or something like that anyway. Don't quote me, but, but the valuation changes. And he said, Tim... You can buy that truck in 10 or 15 years and you could have it till the day you die. You shouldn't say that, you, you, that you'd never have it. And I said, I don't want that truck in 10 or 15 years. I want it now. He said, that's your problem. You just said that was the best model that they've ever made. So what prohibits you from getting it in 10 or 15 years and you having your dream truck? Because that's what you said, right? Your dream truck. If that's it, why don't you just get it when it's more affordable? That changed my process of thinking. I thought, wow, if I am so serious about valuation, estimation, what I think about that thing, then time really shouldn't matter, should it? When we talk about time and we look even in our text this morning, we we start to value things based on time. Today is the most important day, isn't it? In many, for many reasons, in many ways, today is the most important day. But how do I value those things that God gives me? And how do I respond to the things in my life based on that value? Do you know 100% guaranteed that the more time that you spend with the Lord, the more time that you spend reading the word, the more time that you spend praying, the nicer or better you're going to treat people around you. 100%. The less time you spend with God, the more you're going to neglect relationships of people that are the closest to you. Do you know what it all boils down to? Valuation. If you so value and understand that God sent his son to die on the cross, be tortured to death for you so that, this is it, not so you could go to heaven, so that you could have a relationship with him, the more that you engage in relationship with him, the more you're going to value people around you, the better you're gonna treat them. And how many of you like being treated well? I don't know how they treated me. You treat me better. Well, how are you treating them? How are you treating other people? Do you really value people? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> people are difficult, stuff is easy. You guys, stuff is easy. Stuff is going to come in and it's going to go. Where are you laying your treasure up? Now, I I taught this Bible study once, and what I did is I had a stool or two stools, and I brought out two boxes because I needed to illustrate this. And I didn't bring the boxes because I was lazy. I apologize. But uh, imagine in front of me are two boxes, on the front of the boxes, one says eternal and one says temporal. And I had a bunch of stuff, like I had like a tea bag and just some random things. And I would hold it up to the congregation. I said, "Where do you think I should put this tea bag?" And a bunch of people. I don't think they really understood the illustration. They're like, "In the temporal, in the earthly one." I'm like, "Listen, guys, it goes in the eternal because I like tea and I want to have tea in heaven." So, get it? Like the stuff that I like here, I allot it to the account that I want it to go to, and it goes there. But do you know what that requires of you? That requires a, a, a level of faith. It requires you actually believing that when you give stuff away, you're giving it to a heavenly account that you're going to see and experience again in the future. Now, does that literally mean that if I give my car away, I'm going to have one waiting for me in heaven? I think you might be surprised. I think you might be. I think God is like up in heaven. He can't wait until everybody gets to come, you know, when the whole thing's over, it's all done. And like you get to see your mansion and some people are going to have a lot more stuff because they took God at his word and stored it up in heaven rather than consuming, consuming, consuming on earth. Because that's what we do. We're consumers. And for some reason, that, that ended up being like a good term. I never hear the word consumer and think, "Yeah, I'm a consumer." No, consuming is not necessarily good. It means that you you are hungry and and you just keep consuming. I had a friend in high school and I'll never forget he he uh lived this out to the letter. We were 17. He had a Ford Mustang, a red Ford Mustang. And um somehow it came up um I drove a pickup truck because men drive trucks, and um, (laughs) I'm just kidding, guys. I said the same joke in the first service, but anyway, I drive a truck because I like trucks. It was a Toyota pickup truck, by the way, four-wheel drive, had a little lift on it, big mud tires. I still regret selling that baby, but anyway, um, he drove a Ford Mustang, and um, somehow it came up, and he said to me... Um, he's not going to have it for very much longer. I said, why? What's happening to your car? He said, well, God told me to give it away specifically to this person. I said, that's the most ridiculous thing that I ever heard. I don't want God to speak to me. You know, maybe, maybe God will tell you to give me, you know, your, your car or something. But, but anyway, um, so he gave it away. And I saw him later, a few weeks later, I'm like, hey, How'd that go with your giving your car away? And, and he said, it went good. Like the person didn't have a car. They needed one. They're blessed. I was super happy to be able to be obedient to God and do that thing. But the funny thing happened, the funniest thing happened is that somebody gave me a brand new F-150 the day after I gave my car away. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> He's like, no, I'm dead serious. And the person didn't even know I was giving my car away. They didn't even know I needed a vehicle. Could it be, could it really be that when we exercise faith in treasuring things on earth, putting it to our heavenly account, could it be that God actually does respond by taking care of us? By so many times, by giving us stuff that we don't even deserve. Man, like God, I, I was driving down the road last week and I was... I don't know what happened, but it just hit me like that God has been so good to me. Do you know when you just get moved to the point of almost tears, like God has been so ridiculously good to me that I can't even handle it. And so often I don't even really feel like I'm living that measure of faith that I tell you, you guys should be. I don't even feel like I do sometimes, And then God is just so good to me, and he's so good to you. And the instruction for me today, the instruction for us, the question is, do you believe it? Do you want more from God? Because if you do, you will show that through what your treasures are, what your treasures are. God, I'm going to respond to you by saying this stuff doesn't really matter as much to me so that you can show me really the, the, how much we matter to him. And we're going to get to that. This is just the opening statement. We're going to get to more verses that are very clearly connected to God's care for us. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. <clears throat> if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, if I took your phone from you, <laughs> it's like serious threat. If I took your phone from you, if I took your computer from you and I opened up the browser history. Now um, this isn't this isn't going dirty. This is just this is all PG, okay? I I look up your browser history and I see all of the things that you put into your body through your eyes. What would I see? Your Pinterest account, your offer up, your what whatever, whatever what what would what, what would it be? Would it be you coveting all these things that you could never have and placing your time and energy into things that I'm not saying that you can't have them. you can have anything you want. It just comes at a cost and some things greater than others. How would it affect you based on what you look at? Uh, the the level of darkness inside because i know people that they that, that they're just only always chasing after the next thing you know there's a survey done in the 90s i know that i'm dating myself but i, I read it a while ago <laughs> there's a survey done in the 90s that that they asked people what would the amount of money that you make what what uh, what greater amount would it be cost or would it be for you, your income for you to make to to allow you to believe that you're living the American dream? How much would that income look like for you? Across the board, do you know how much people said? Because you can't like put like your income is different from my income and different from everybody else around you. But you know what across the board, what everybody's answer had in common? Almost across the board, everybody said double of what they were making now. Whether they were making $30,000 or whether they were making $100,000 or $500,000, they all doubled the figure for some reason in their head and said, if I could get to that number, then I would be living the American dream. Do you know what would happen if we surveyed those, surveyed those people a year later after they got that income? I wonder what, how the number would change. Do you ever get a raise and feel like you're still living paycheck to paycheck? Because you are valuing things in life the way that the people on earth value them. So if I'm a consumer, I'll just put a little bit more in. I'll take a little bit more. And, and if I can give him more, I'll take a little bit more. But God wants you to view the things that you have as gifts from him, which, again, we're going to talk about a little bit more in a, in a minute. And not place those things as your motivation, as your treasure. I am not saying, again, like I mentioned in the beginning, that God does not want you to be rich. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to buy nice things, have nice vehicles. Absolutely not. But what we're addressing here is not a one or the other like so many people did in history. They, they equated sacrifice with relationship with God, and that's not how we get relationship with God, through sacrifice. We get it through obedience to him, and God allows us to have stuff. He allows us to have Tacomas <laughs> now to bless us, but it's the motivation of the heart and the valuation of the things that we have. God's heart for you is to bless you as his child he wants you to be blessed. how do you evaluate how do you value that blessing that he has for you through the things in your life that you treasure? what do you treasure? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You can't. It's, it's, a, it's a scriptural principle. As much as you think you could, if you worship money and you think that if I only had a million dollars, everything would be fine. No, everything wouldn't be fine. You'd probably be better. You'd probably be worse off for sure. But if you put money in that place, no matter how strong of a believer you are, you will start to demonize who God is in your life based on how much you place value in in that thing or money. It's the same thing with people. If you don't place value in people, you start to demonize them. You start to see what you can really just get from them, get out of them. It's not about relationship. It's not about caring for somebody. It's about manipulation. And it's about benefit, personal benefit. You cannot serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or else you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Therefore, you guys know what the therefore is Therefore, for? To tell you before there, before there, therefore... I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? One of the most profound verses in the gospel of Matthew. Therefore, do not what? Nobody read it but me? Do not what? Worry. Do not worry. How many of you are worriers? Statistically, in the United States of America, one out of every five people have a diagnosable uh, clinical issue with anxiety. Now, that's just on the books. We're not even talking about those of you who stuff it down and don't go to the doctor. We're talking about diagnosable issue of anxiety that's one in five that's why at the beginning of the service i said i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to tick off at least one in five people here this morning because i'm here to tell you that god's heart for you is that you won't worry i had this lady come to me she said this is my problem We talked about it. I prayed for her. She came back to me again. She came back to me again. She came back to me again. Same thing every single time. This is my issue. This is my worry. This is my problem. This is what I'm struggling with. Finally, I got the gumption up, or maybe it was just the power of the Holy Spirit, to say, you know what your problem is? Do you you really want me to tell you what your problem is? She said, yeah. I said, your problem is that you don't trust God. You don't trust. Yes, I do. Then why don't you give it to him? I did give it to him. You didn't give it to him. Stop lying to me. We wouldn't be talking about it again, and I'm not praying for you anymore because you don't trust God to be able to take care of this thing in your life. Now, if I say that I trust God in a certain area of my life, it may not mean that that, that I know what the outcome's gonna be. It may not mean that 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 I don't think about it anymore but but I do fully trust him and when you do maybe I can get a couple witnesses about this fact when you do there's a weight that's lifted you're not underneath that pressure anymore that you have to perform that you have to take care of something because he said to you don't worry I want to take care of you one of the things that um, Grace and I have kind of had it like a little. Uh, she's not here. I kind of feel bad saying it. maybe she can hear me out at the information station. But one of the little, one of the little, our ar- argument, whatever. I don't know. A little thing that we have an issue in our in our marriage in the last fifteen years, and it's gotten better. But one one of the things is that she never tells me how I can bless her. I just have to assume that I can do certain things for her, and it'll be a blessing. But but I'm like, hey, do you want me to do that? She's no, I'll take care of it. Well, I want to help. Tell me how. Tell me what would minister to you so that I can do it. I don't want you to just be taking care of me all the time. I want to take care of you. And sometimes I feel like that's how we are with God. We're like, no, God, I got it. No worries. Hey, how can I bless you? How can I love you? How can I take care of you, little earthling? stupid earthling, in your linear time-space continuum, you don't understand anything. And we're like, I got it, God. I got it. I'm worried about all kinds of things I can take care of myself. No, you don't got it. God's got you, and he wants to continue to get you through the things that you have to go through, but we have to let go and let God but we're so connected and tied to our stuff and the things that we want in our kingdom mentality that we don't so much. And, and I, I really truly believe that God is just saying, he's like, I just wanna take care of you. I want to demonstrate my love towards you, but you have everything so figured out that I don't know how to do it got it all worked out. The payment plans, the insurance policies, the, the retirement plans. You've got it all figured out. You've left me no room. Now, am I opposed to any of those things? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Not necessarily. Like, I would love to have a retirement plan. If any of you know anybody I could talk to about that, that'd be, that'd be great. No, I, I would love to but but I, I want my heart to be in a place right now where that's not where my confidence is. Do you understand? That's not where I, what I'm looking forward to. I can't wait till I can cash that baby in. But rather in a place that I know, would you, would you agree with me? I know that I know that I've lived it and I know that God is gonna take care of me. I know that God is going to take care of my wife. I know that God is going to take care of my children. And I know that if God took me home today, that he would be ashamed of me if I tried to make sure everything was okay and I trusted in in the actions of preparedness rather than him as my heavenly father to take care of my family. Your kids are gonna be fine. Your kids are, I hate to tell you, your kids are going to be fine. Your wife is going to be fine. If you are a professing believer following Jesus Christ, he says to you, don't worry. Don't worry. One in five is almost 20% of the population of the United States of America, people that struggle with clinical anxiety. It is the most diagnosed mental disorder at the top of the list, number one. And this is what the enemy feeds into. you got to take care of yourself. you got to take care of your own. Look out for number one. Everything's going to be fine if you make it that way. That's a lie. God says that he loves you and he wants to take care of you. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Isn't it funny that people worry about what they're going to eat? You know that you can go 40 days without eating? I have a sister who shared a story with me. They're doing a fitness challenge. Some of the ladies in the church are doing a fitness challenge. And this 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 particular lady, she's been working out every day for this fitness challenge. And she's been cutting back on what she eats. You know what her friend said to her after a few days? She said, you got to eat. You're going to die. You got to eat. You're going to die if you don't eat. Is that true? Let's just pull up a little Google search and do World War II Nazi Germany concentration camps and see like the reality of not having nourishment for an extended period of time. You're not going to die. Your flesh is in charge and tells you what you're going to do. And you respond to it based on how you plug your ears feel how I feel. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And God says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. This is what God says to you today. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. You're not going to die. He's going to give you food. He's going to take care of you and your drink, nor about your body. What, what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. You know that things have changed a little bit when the, when the Bible speaks to something, that there's so much access excess now that it's almost unrelatable. When's the last time you woke up in the morning and thought, man, I don't have any clothes. I'm going to have to go out naked. <laughs> I knew this day was going to come. All I've got is my underwear. Sorry, guys, I've got no clothes. How many of you worry about that? Nobody worries about that. But even the smallest thing that you worry about, the thing that maybe is the furthest removed from your mind, God has it covered. He said, somebody's going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you through somebody so that doesn't have to be an issue for you when you go out the door. Clothes? What you're gonna put on your body? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of the, by worrying, you can add one cubit to his stature? I've worried my entire life about how short I am. I have never grown any taller. I'm serious. I do not like tall men. I have little man syndrome. If you're taller than me, I'm probably smarter than you. Nine times out of 10. You cannot make yourself taller by thinking about it, by worrying about it. Look at the birds of the air. They neither reap nor sow nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. When is the last time that you were walking down the street and you saw a dead bird? That poor bird definitely died of starvation. Look at that poor thing. He never even, never even had a meal in probably a week or so. You never seen it. He probably died from something else. Probably the bird flu, duh, because that's how birds die, bird flu. Not of starvation. You know why? Because God provides for the birds and the verse says valuation. How much more would God take care of you if he feeds the birds? How much more is he going to take care of you? Are you not more value than they, which by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You know, I think it was incredible when God was creating the heavens and the earth, and he created grass, and he's like, I'm going to make grass for you guys. Did you guys like grass? I love grass. Grass is like, just changes the whole atmosphere. You know, it's green and it's fluffy. It's like living carpet. And God's like, you know, this this grass is great, and I'm sure they're going to love it, but I, I'm going to put some clothes on some of this grass. You know what the clothes are? The clothes are flowers. He's like, I'm going to put petals. You guys like flowers? Flowers are so pretty. They murder my face in the springtime, or whatever pollen it is, but... But he clothed them, it says, the verse says, more beautiful than anything that King Solomon could have wore, a wealthiest king of Israel. He's, God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna clothe them in beauty, even beauty more excellent than than what you can conceive, what you can put on yourself. I, I love that picture because, because it says that in, in Corinthians, we were looking in Corinthians that that um, we're like a seed now. You're like a seed. And then when you die, you're you're like a seed planted and your heavenly body is going to be like a flower in comparison to the seed. How much prettier is a flower than its seed? Pretty, pretty, right? That's a lot of pretties. (laughs) It's beautiful. Again, we can't comprehend, we can't really grasp the, the magnitude of God's goodness towards us. And that's his intention to bless us and to take care of us and to, to daily, one of my favorite psalms, to daily load us with benefits, one translation says, blessings. He daily loads us with blessings, that's his intention, but I worry about tomorrow, but I worry about today. I worry about everything. I worry, God, how's this going to work out? And I'm not living abundant life because I feel like the life is getting sucked out of me because I feel like I'm in charge of making things happen on a daily basis when I'm not, and neither are you. This doesn't mean we're birds sitting up in a nest watching Netflix and chilling out, not doing anything. Well, God's going to take care of me. And then the heavenly funnel comes down to the little birdie in the nest and feeds him. doesn't mean that you don't work hard. You work hard in the name of the Lord so that anything that anybody has to say to you can go back to him. And what you get from working hard, you can give him the glory and not put the valuation in that as much as you place in his relationship with you and the fact that he's going to take care of you. I don't say this to somebody, you know, the guy that says, I've been trying to get a job. What are you doing? I've been sitting on my couch for two weeks and nobody's called me. I thought God was going to take care of me. Get it out of your head. Knock it off. Get up and get to it and believe. Nay, No, just know that God is going to take care of you. I talked to a sister one time, and I, I think I've actually shared this before, and she said, I need a job, I need a job, I need a job. And I said, okay, what are you doing? She's like, I put in, this week, I put in 100 applications because I know that God is going to take care of me. Isn't that a different perspective to have? She puts in more applications for employment because she said she knows that God is going to take care of her, not less because she knows that God's going to take care of her. Oh, I need my leisure time. I need my me time. I'm just going to hang out, put in two or three. I don't know why God's not taking care of me. You You know, the Bible also says if a man does not work, he does not. He doesn't eat. You know, I've quoted that verse to people before. They don't like it. I'm like, you know, that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, right? Are you hungry? And I like the I I like the 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 point of being hungry. This isn't just about food. This is about life. Hunger. I was talking to a good friend of mine who is very successful in the business world, and he said, "You know why more people aren't successful?" And I said, well, I'm sure, a lot of reasons. He said, the reason that, that I'm more successful than other people is because I'm hungry. I want it. Now let's not take a worldly mentality and, and apply it to what we want in life, our valuation system, our treasures. Let's take that mentality and apply it to our faith, our relationship with God. I know that God's going to answer him because I'm hungry for him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What do you think that's talking about? I'm hungry to love people. I'm hungry for community. I'm hungry for success in in the sense that my valuation system will be demonstrated to others that I value God more than I value anything else. And I'll put my treasure up in that direction. And how many of you are going to be so surprised when you get there and there's stuff there that you didn't think had any business being in heaven? But God says, but God says, I told you, I told you, I told you not to worry. I told you to place those things that you value into the heavenly account instead of temporarily consuming while you were on earth. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? It, it boils down to a faith issue. It boils down to a trust issue. God says he wants to. God says he's going to. We're the ones that respond, answer him back and say, you don't really want me to be blessed, God. God is standing in heaven. I want to take care of you. I can take care of myself. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God knows. God knows. Do you, do you think that God understands your struggles? He does. You think he understands your problems? Yeah, he did. He, 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 he Absolutely all the time. He knows. One of my favorite phrases to say when anything is said is, God knows. I used to say in Croatian all the time, and I had a lady one time say to me, I love that you always say, Bogzna, Bogzna, every time that I have something to tell you. Bogzna, God knows. God knows what's going on. God knows what's going on with you. God knows what's going on with me. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So don't worry about it. He knows all of your needs, but seek first but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Guys, that is a powerful verse. It is so powerful that I wouldn't even do it justice trying to over-exaggerate it. God knows, and he doesn't want you to worry about tomorrow. God doesn't want the kingdom to be the only thing that you seek. And I know that I get some pushback from some people on that, but he says, seek first the kingdom of God. There's other stuff that's going to come up that you need to address. You've got to live. God understands that. He just wants to be at the top of your list of priorities. Remember the five things you wrote down at the beginning? He needs to be at the top because if he's at the top, all of those other things will fall into line. He says, I'll take care of those things for you says, seek ye first, not because I want you to be a pauper, not because I want you to live in a cave, not because I want you to live in poverty your entire life, because I want to be the one that takes care of you. And yeah, we go through seasons of difficulty and maybe seasons of poverty. I've gone through seasons of poverty, but I can say with Paul, in agreement with him, that I've learned to be content in all things. The key is, learn to be content with little and with much. God knows. God knows. My wife is walking to the the store, the corner store with bags full of bottles, saving up all of the plastic bottles that we use to cash them in so that she can get spaghetti noodles for dinner that night. God knows. I've been there, done that. God's taking care of me. God's been faithful. I've never had to come to church naked, and I'm sure you all appreciate that. (laughs) But we don't think about it like that sometimes, do we? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be taken care of. All these things will be added unto you. I have to share this story. I think I shared it recently and I have shared it a, a number of times, but but my fi- this is this was uh, one season of my life. This was my life verse. God kept telling me, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek me first him and I'll take care of everything." And for some reason, I thought that I was never going to get married and I was never going to have kids and God just wanted me to be miserable and I was going to be, you know, living in a cave somewhere like just it was gonna be terrible. And I just thought that's the way the rest of my life was gonna look. And I was in the in Hungary, in the college, in the sanctuary. It was empty. There was nobody. There was just me. And I moved some chairs and I was on my face weeping like a little baby, crying. And crying out to God, why is my life so terrible? When are you going to uh, tell Grace Warhol or Grace Chadwick she's supposed to be my wife? And all the and I'm you know weeping. I'm single. I'm miserable. Worst year of my life. And I'm crying out to God. And I hear the door open. You guys remember this story? Anybody remember this story? The door opens. I hear the door open, and I hear some footsteps walking across the stage. Click, 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 click. And I look up. And there's Grace Chadwick. And she sits down behind the keyboard and turns it on. And she starts playing the piano. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right. And it was like God smacked me across the face. He's like, there it is. If you listen to me, she is going to be your wife. And she doesn't even know it yet. There it is. Now, I'm not trying to Freak you guys out, so don't be running around telling people you're supposed to marry them because that's weird. But I truly had to experience that moment with the Lord to to be reminded of the fact that He, God knows, <laughs> He's in charge. He doesn't want me to worry, and the reason that I was all tied up in knots, I was all freaking out and crying is because I was still trying to to hold on to and navigate certain parts of my life that were no longer my business to hold on to anymore. And you might want to ask yourself that question. Are you having unhealthy levels of anxiety because you're trying to hold on to things that are not your business to hold on to, to take care of? I have this closing verse for you guys. It really spoke volumes to me, and I wanted to go into it a little bit more, but we're not going to have time this morning. Mark chapter 12, excuse me, verse 41 says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how many people put money into the treasury. Many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites. I like how it says she threw in. like nothing to my for you, God, which makes a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. If I had a dollar... For every time somebody said to me, I'll start giving to God when he starts giving me a little bit more, I would be retired. It's not how much. It's with what heart. And if you don't think giving to God or putting to your heavenly account matters, if you don't think it does, We've said it before, we'll say it again, it's in the word. It's the one thing in scripture that says that you are able to challenge him in that. Easy for you to say, yeah, I'm not the widow, man. I mean, God's taking care of me and I do what I need to do before him. Just like you need to do before God what, what you need to do. But what account are you making deposits in? I read of this marriage book that was really good and it was all about... Um, depositing into your spouse's love bank. And the idea is the more that you deposit love into your spouse's love bank, the more their valuation there's going to be in the relationship mutually and the healthier it's going to be. Your spouse is being depleted of their love blank, love bank, and when they get to the bottom is when there's some real pushback, and, and you hear that phrase. I've heard that phrase so many times. I just don't love you anymore. I'm just not in love with you because the, the love bank has been depleted to the point where there isn't valuation in that person anymore, and there has to be an, some kind of reversal exchange To be engaging your spouse, that person. Where are you depositing? Where are you depositing? In your confidence, in the things that you want from this life, from this world? Where am I? Do you worry about those things? Stop it. That's not coming from me either. I can tell you to stop worrying. And I can say it in a real nice, calm, soothing voice like this. Stop worrying because that's what you need to hear. But I can yell at you too. And some people need to get yelled at. So if you needed a calm voice, you got it. And if you need to be yelled at, knock it off. Stop worrying because God says so. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you, God, that that we can take your word to heart for the truth that it is. And we don't want to be worried about this stuff. Today today is sufficient for its trouble. Tomorrow is tomorrow. We love you and, and, and we do trust you. We do believe you. That you're going to take care of us. That you're going to give us food. You're going to give us drink. You're going to... Give us clothes. You're going to take care of us. Help us to have that heavenly perspective, that valuation that Jesus gives us through these verses so that we can lay up for ourselves treasure for eternity, not just consuming the things that we have today. We love you and we thank you, God, for speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for you guys. Uh, I joke and whatever you know. It, 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 we laugh and it's funny, but but anxiety is a real issue, and the statistics not a joke. There's people who really struggle with worrying and anxiety, and and for you this morning, with everybody remaining in an attitude of prayer, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you struggle with anxiety with hope, or with worrying about things, I want to pray specifically for you this morning. So if that's you, I want you to raise your hand really high so that I can pray for you. I see your hands. Anybody else? Father God, I lift my brothers and sisters up to you, and I pray, God, that you would help them that you would meet them, that this word is to and for them, that they would receive it, they would internalize it, they would live it because you love them and you value them. And as they place you higher on the list of priorities, you'll take care of everything. As they seek your kingdom and your righteousness, all these things would be added unto them. Thank you, Father, for the truth of your word to us in Jesus' name, amen. If you don't know really what I'm talking about, you don't know what satisfaction looks like in life, you struggle with anxiety and you've never heard somebody tell you that Jesus Christ is the answer, let me tell you that Jesus is the answer, that he will meet you, he will heal you, and he will give you abundant life. He will give you life abundantly. If, if, if there's anybody here this morning that has never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, repentant of their sins, his death, burial, and resurrection, with everybody still in an attitude of prayer with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if there's anybody here that's never done that, that wants to take that step today to experience what life is really supposed to be like, raise your hand up high so that I can see you and pray for you also. Anybody at all? Father, I thank you for these two that have raised their hands as a profession of faith so that they can trust you with the things that are going on so that they can see you work miracles. And I believe and I ask in Jesus' name that you would on their behalf work miracles in their life that they never thought were even possible, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that they could ask or think. And the most precious treasure that they would get out of life is is knowing who you are and hearing you and trusting you in Jesus name amen to know you to love you